0: So welcome everyone to the first episode of our podcast. My name is DeAndre Dobiniaro and I'm here today with my partners, Asia Dixon and Jamelia Owens. We collaboratively came together to discuss the problem with the American healthcare system in regards to people of color, but especially women of color. This is not only an issue for the African American community, but also the Hispanic community, as well as the Asian community, basically people of minority in general. The American healthcare system continuously fails women of color by misdiagnosing and downplaying levels of pain that we go through. For example, you are a pregnant woman of color and when you go to the hospital ready to deliver, you expect it to be comfortable and safe so you can deliver as smoothly as possible. Unfortunately for colored mothers, they die at a rate of 3.2 times more than non-colored mothers and this is a problem and this most of the time could be entirely preventable if professional health care providers, took care of women that walk through their door despite their appearance or their skin tone. Today we have with us a special guest, Ms. Erica M. Stallings, who is our first and very important mentor. She's a woman of color who has disappointedly underwent this bias in the American healthcare system. And we're hoping she will provide crucial information about how she felt and also how this bias affected her physically and or mentally. Ms. Erica Stallings is an attorney, writer, and BRCA awareness Advocate, which is someone who advocates for people with the breast cancer gene, pushing for them to get treatment as well as others tested early for early diagnosis. She's also one of the many founders of the Black and BRCA project. In June 2004, she learned that she carried a BRCA2 gene mutation, a hereditary cancer mutation that causes up to an 85% lifetime risk of developing breast cancer in december in december 2014 she underwent a preventative double mastectomy which lowered her risk of breast cancer to less than five percent welcome miss um Stallings, and how are you doing with everything the corona and virus and also if i made any mistakes with the introduction feel free to correct them well first off thank
1: you so much for that very warm introduction no I'm really honored to be here and to be the first guest on your podcast. The only thing I wanted to clarify is that I learned that I carried a mutation in June of 2014. Oh, okay. And I had a pre- preventative mastectomy in December 2014. But otherwise, you know, I think like a lot of people, uh, just trying to survive the coronavirus, I got my first dose of my vaccine last week um, as well as my fiance. So I think they were both
0: excited about slowly getting it back to normal right got it i just um made my appointment for like april to get my vaccine so hopefully y'all should be good we're very glad to have you here so we're just gonna get right into it um a doctor's office should be the last place you would expect to get mistreated because of the color of your skin based on the article you wrote for the oprah magazine sharing your own personal experience what was the point of at which you realized that you had to take matters into your own hands, and how did that make you feel?
1: Yeah, just to kind of, you know, it's an interesting question, just to back up a little bit. My grandmother was a nurse, so I think, you know, all throughout my life, like, one thing that she really instilled in me, I would say both myself and my mom, is the idea of, you know, the doctor is there to work for you. You don't have to always just take what the doctor says, right? You can push back. You can ask questions about your care and making sure that you get the information that you need. So the story that you were referring to was a piece that I did in 2018. Uh, yeah, 2018, for so I'm losing track of the coronavirus. Said, like made me lose track of the time.
0: Yeah.
1: So the story I did in 2018 for Old Magazine, uh, and what the story opens up with, for those of you who haven't had an opportunity to read it, is that when i was in the hospital after my double mastectomy i had an issue with one of the surgical drains which are drains that you have installed after a mastectomy one of the biggest risks after a mastectomy is one of the drains becoming infected causing an infection and so i could see that my drains were not properly working and so i went to the nurse and i said hey like i need you to deal with this you know before i can be discharged right which actually wound up leading to this like very exhausting two-hour conversation before someone would actually just address the issue. And something that I think about a lot is, you know, what would have happened in that moment if I had just been like too tired from having surgery like 12 hours ago? What if my mom hadn't been there to advocate with me? What if my friends had not shown up at the hospital with me to help advocate for me? And so I think it's just very frustrating and tiring when I think about all the ways that black women have to just fight extra. To receive the healthcare right. that they are supposed to be entitled to, right? And I think even when I go to even when I go to doctors that I mostly trust, there's still a small part of me that always is like prepared to have to fight for good healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about it, it's it's honestly just very exhausting.
0: Right. Well, thank well, you so much for sharing. Um, did anything that happened affect the outcome of the procedure you underwent?
1: it was fine. It turns out that the incision that had been made was not big enough. So finally someone called my plastic surgeon and you know I went over I was I took a, a cab over to her office. She was able to take care of it. It was fine. But that's I think part of the reason why that when I look back on it, it was so outrageous. Because like clearly something was wrong with the drain. Mm-hmm. And, right and right and it was a really quick fix. But, you know all it took was sort of like after two hours of fighting like someone calling my plastic surgeon and asking her to deal with it and so again it's just one of those things it's like why fight with the patient right when it's what they're asking for is so relatively mm-hmm. minor and not only relatively minor but like could cause a big issue right. like if it's not addressed properly right.
2: so um our whole research on that project is about how women of color are mistreated. So our question for you is who do you think with mistreatment of people of color? Do you feel like it's the government's role to make sure people hire make sure people they hire have the common decency to treat all Americans or do you feel like this is the individual?
1: Yeah, I just want to, I just want to make sure, um, the question, who bears
2: responsibility for mistreatment in the medical system? Who bears responsibility of mistreatment of people of color in general?
1: Yeah, that's a really interesting question, um, which, you know, I just, I think you said this in the intro, like, I'm also an attorney, uh, so this is stuff that I think about a lot, right, like, how do you sort of hold... People accountable. I don't necessarily know if I think the sole responsibility lies with the government, although I do think that there are steps and interventions that government officials can take to to address some of the inequities that we see, right? Because, like, health mistreatment of, of people of color generally, mistreatment of people of color in the healthcare system, right, arises from choices um, that have are already been made, right? So, that's why one of the reasons. You look, your zip code is the biggest determinant of health. But I also think, you know, insurance companies, healthcare systems, Medicaid, Medicare, all those entities have to hold people accountable when there is mistreatment of people of color in the the healthcare system, right? So, Mm -hmm. you know, I think one thing you can do is for hospitals, for example, right? Like, if you are having these really high rates of, let's say, maternal mortality outcomes or... Uh, cancer disparities, right? Like you know, withholding accreditation, withholding like Medicare, Medicaid reimbursement, if they can't get to the place that they that they need to be.
0: All right, Jamelia, we can't hear you.
2: Of minority groups being represented in the healthcare system. So, based on the research we have conducted, African American medical school applicants have a lower acceptance rate to medical school. This doesn't really mean fair to people of color as a diverse submission population can better serve the diverse patient population we have in the United States. So, do you feel, how do you feel about this and what? do you think can be done about this.
1: Yeah, that's a that's that's also like a really good um you know an interesting question. And it's it's also it's also complicated. You know, because what you see right in terms of, you know, med- medical school admissions is that there's a lot of attacks on affirmative affirmative action, um, like at the state level, um, that have caused some of those acceptance rates to be lower. So I think a couple of things, right? I think Examining what we think about standardized tests like the MCAT and the other standard things that we look to as to whether someone can become a good physician, right? We know that there are racial biases in standardized testing generally. I also think that, you know, oftentimes when we look at disparities in graduate school uh, admissions, you know, a lot of those stem from inequalities that already exist, like in the college application process even at the K through 12 educational level. So really thinking holistically, like how do we get more um, underrepresented minorities in the pipeline? How do we ensure that people have great K through 12 educations? How do we make med school more affordable so that it is something that is more accessible to underrepresented minorities? You know, should, I mean, I think, uh, I think most schools look at diversity inclusion both a good for the class itself but also sort of like the public good but you know there are definitely some legal legal challenges to, legal
0: challenges to doing that right well uh, that's all the questions we have for today um uh, what we hope to do with our podcast is to gain the support of women so that they could feel free to share their stories as well, seeing that women with different socioeconomic statuses also face this problem and that they are not alone and can speak out against it. So thank you again, Miss Stallings, for joining us today, and we hope to hear from you in the near future. Thanks to everyone who tuned in today, and I hope you took something out of this. Everyone stay safe, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.